Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called A Shelter from the Blast. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, May the 21st, 2017. Exactly 30 years ago this week, I returned from teaching for three weeks at the Bangui Evangelical School of Theology in the Central African Republic. The seminary was founded back in 1973 to train pastors from over 20 Francophone countries at a graduate level. As it turned out, Bangui was my first of what eventually became six trips to Africa. In 2014, the seminary closed, a casualty of the chaos that had engulfed the country for about two years. Ban Ki-moon described the CAR as in freefall. France and the United Nations warned of genocide. Leaders of the African Union worried that the country could slip into the abyss. A quarter of the population had been displaced. But in the midst of all the chaos and violence, the Bangui Evangelical School of Theology, the campus became a shelter for 1,500 refugees, including Muslim families. My friend Jack Robinson, who has spent 30 years helping the school, explained, because the school is just across the street from the telecommunications center for the country and is heavily guarded by French troops, it did not represent an attractive target for rebel, rebel soldiers. The campus was still secure, but all the campus buildings and classrooms were full of families grateful for some kind of shelter and security in the midst of the violence in the city. When I mentioned this story to my friend Art, he had the perfect response. That's what our churches should be, places of refuge. <clears throat> the reading from 1 Peter 3 this week is one of the most complicated texts in the New Testament. In his commentary on 1 Peter, to take just one example, Martin Luther threw up his hands. He said, a wonderful text is this, in a more obscure passage perhaps than any other in the New Testament, so that I don't know for a certainty just what Peter means. Listen to the reading from 1 Peter for this week. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Scholars debate just about everything in these verses. The punctuation, the pronouns, the verb tenses, the meaning of the words. The references to Noah, the flood, and his ark have provoked the best and the worst from Christians. 
You can visit full-size replicas of Noah's Ark in Holland in Hong Kong. Bogus pseudoscience tries to explain the flood. Since the 3rd century, explorers have tried to find the archaeological remains of the Ark. There's also the cruel theology of the Church Fathers that just as there was no salvation outside of Noah's Ark, there's no salvation outside the Christian Church. <clears throat> but Noah's story has also inspired our better angels. If you go to our website, consider the artistic expressions like the five that I've included with this essay. Catacomb frescoes, illuminated manuscripts, massive bronze church doors, mosaics, tapestries, and more. The 12th century Hugh of St. Victor wrote three treatises based upon Noah's Ark. But beyond all the complications and obfuscations, 1 Peter 3 makes a simple but profound point when it compares church baptism to Noah's Ark. The church should be a place of refuge, safety, and salvation. It's a lifeboat. It's a shelter from the storm. The seminary campus in Bangui thus brought to life a literary metaphor Traditional church architecture has expressed this story of Noah. The main part of the church where the congregation sits is called the nave. The word nave comes from the Latin word navis, meaning ship, and so a collection of ships is a navy. The church nave symbolizes a ship with its vaulted ceiling looking like an inverted keel. And so the church is a safe place in a storm. In his book, Whistling in the Dark, a Doubter's Dictionary, back in 1988, Frederick Beekner comments on the church as Noah's Ark. Listen to Beekner. In one as in the other, just about everything imaginable is aboard, the clean and the unclean. They are all piled in together, helter-skelter, the predators and the prey, the wild and the tame, the sleek and beautiful ones, and the ones that are ugly as sin. There are sly young foxes and impossible old cows. There are the caddy and the piggish and the peacock proud. There are hawks and there are doves. Some are wise as owls, some as silly as geese some meek as lambs, and others fire-breathing dragons. There are times when they all cackle and grunt and roar and sing together, and there are times when you could hear a pin drop. Most of them have no clear idea just where they're supposed to be heading, or how they're supposed to get there, or what they'll find if and when they finally do. But they figure the people in charge must know, and in the meanwhile sit back on their haunches and try to enjoy the ride. It's not all enjoyable. There's backbiting just like everywhere else. There's a pecking order. There's jostling at the trough. There's growling and grousing, bitching and whining. There are dogs in the manger and old goats and black widows. It's a regular menagerie in there, and sometimes it smells to high heaven like one. But even at its worst, there's at least one thing that makes it bearable within, 
and that is the storm without. The wild winds and terrible waves, <clears throat> and in all the watery waste, no help in sight. So at its best there is, even if never clear sailing, shelter from the blast. A sense of somehow heading in the right direction in spite of everything. A ship to keep afloat. And, like a beacon in the dark, the hope of finding safe harbor at last. Frederick Beekner. And so Jesus the Redeemer effected a great reversal. Whereas the waters of the flood brought death and destruction, the waters of baptism bring new life, protection from danger, and a shelter in the storm. Consider the words for further reflection from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. The church is like Noah's ark that was full of both clean and unclean animals. It must have had an unholy smell, and yet it was carrying eight persons to salvation. The world today is tearing up the photographs of a good society, a good family, a happy individual personal life, but the church is keeping the negatives. And when the moment comes when the world wants a reprint, we will have them. For books this week, we've posted a review by the author Ruth Everhart. The title is simply called Ruined. Carroll Stream, Illinois, Tyndall House, 2016, 310 pages. This is a book review by our own Debbie Thomas. One night in 1978, during her senior year of college, Ruth Everhart and her roommates lived through a nightmare that would haunt them for years. Two armed men broke into their apartment, held them hostage, and take, took turns raping them at gunpoint. As shock, fear, and confusion gripped Ruth Everhart in the days and weeks following the crime, she wondered why God would allow something so horrific to happen to a so-called good girl like her. Having been raised to accept the Calvinist doctrine of God's sovereignty, Everhart interpreted her ordeal as divine punishment. She considered herself, and so the title of the book, Ruined. <clears throat> What followed was the long and bitter spiritual crisis Everhart describes with courageous honesty in this new memoir. Now a longtime Presbyterian minister, Everhart writes unflinchingly about the night that changed her life and explores the hard religious, spiritual, and racial questions. Everhart is white and her attackers were black. Incorporating personal narrative, court transcripts, and even a moving letter to her own daughter, Everhart's memoir explores the particular challenges Christian rape survivors face, given the purity ethic which still dominates the church's teaching on sex. Arguing forcefully that a woman's worth is not dictated by her sexual experiences, 
Everhard writes, quote, nothing is more washable than human skin. It's the most washable substance on earth. Thank God. <clears throat> Ruth Everhart's memoir is brave and compelling, a testament to the power of grace to bring healing out of violence and trauma. A memoir about rape at a Christian college. The author is Ruth Everhart. The title of the book, Ruined, from 2016. For movies this week, we go to a tiny island in Italy. The title of the movie, Fire at Sea, from the year 2016. Gianfranco Rossi's strange new movie, Fire at Sea, which won the top prize at the 2016 Berlin Film Festival, tells two stories that are, by design, tragically unrelated. The documentary film is set among the refugee crisis on Lampedusa, a tiny Italian island just eight miles square, and that sits only 70 miles from the north coast of Africa. In the last 20 years, 400,000 migrants have landed on tiny Lampedusa, fleeing war, poverty, and ethnic strife. About 15,000 people have died trying. But in the first story, you would never know this. The youngster Samuel plays with his slingshot and firecrackers. He fishes with his dad and goes to school. A disc jockey does his radio thing. A housewife does her daily chores while listening to the opera on the radio. But then there's the physician Pietro Bartolo, who treats the newly arrived refugees. He's the voice of conscience and compassion. In between little Samuel and Dr. Bartolo are the immigrants, the lucky ones who make it ashore with their foil blankets, dehydrated and malnourished, many with burns from diesel-soaked clothes. They face a new set of problems. They are searched, registered, photographed, processed, and it would appear in this film, then forgotten, out of sight and mind to the islanders and the world. They wait and hope. Whereas questions about policy are admittedly complex, when it comes to the people he treats, Dr. Bartolo has a message for us all. He says, it's the duty of every human being to help these people and an award-winning movie from Italy, Fire at Sea. And in keeping with the theme of the church as a shelter from the blast, we've posted a Celtic poem. It's called House Protecting. God bless the world and all that is therein. God bless my spouse and my children. God bless the eye that is in my head, and bless, O oh God, the handling of my hand. What time I rise in the morning early, what time I lie down late in bed, bless my rising in the morning early, and my lying down 
late in bed. God, protect the house and the household. God, consecrate the children of the motherhood. God, encompass the flocks and the young. Be thou after them, intending them. What time flocks ascend hill and wold? What time I lie down to sleep? What time flocks ascend hill and wold? What time I lie down in peace to sleep? House Protecting, a Celtic poem. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, May the 21st, 2017. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.